giveaways, ladies and gentlemen. We've invited the first class. Now we're inviting the executive platinum, platinum, emerald, sapphire, and ruby. And those four are the great platinum. Hey, hey, this is Rika, your host of Cash Life, Not Phoenix. Ladies and gentlemen, have a boarding. Hey, hey, welcome back to Catch Flights, Not Feelings with your host, Rika. Today, we are going to talk about my favorite city, I think. The city on the water. And if you don't know what city that is, um, I mean, you should get out more. (laughs) But this city on the water is just a pure memory for me um I turned 21 here and I got to experience a lot of new and different things in this culture um so let me introduce you to Venice Italy um we made it to Venice um after we went to after we spent a couple days in Prague and so this city is literally built upon water uh their taxis are on water their transportation is all through water and it's just such a beautiful place um the cobblestone streets the old rustic buildings with little balconies of patios um, with flowers on them or flags on them to show you know their love for their country their city and it's just such a beautiful place so let's explore that um making our way to venice uh we stayed in a hostel so this was my first experience staying in a hostel so we were with other groups of people from all over the world and it was really interesting because um the common areas were um just long tables and it's kind of like um you know your high school your high school lunch lunch area so long tables and then an area for getting food and buffet styled foods um that were kind of known to italy or italian people so we went to venice italy because they had this um large exhibition um called the la biennale and it's a large work of art from all around these countries from all all these different types of countries and top artists um come to this one place in venice to display their work for a set amount of time so each country displays their work of art in a designated building and shows their stuff off so you know walking through this building walking through the la biennale uh was interesting (laughs) to say the least there was a lot of intricate and different types of art that you would see and some that you would have no idea how it worked walking through this large exhibition uh we came across a couple of countries from venice venezuela sorry from venezuela uh and different artists are displaying their work of art so there's this one display of art of all these different types of 
all these different people <laughs> laying basically in the nude. Um, I mean, you've got George Bush, you've got <clears throat> Kim Jong-un, you've got Albert Einstein, you've got the Queen of Hearts, <laughs> um, you've got the Pope, you've got Obama, um, and it was it's a very interesting portrait to say the least so moving on throughout the exhibition there's there's all different types of art and if you know art it's interpreted in your own way so it's all indicative of your of your perspective to be honest uh that's that's really what i love about art is that it can have so many meetings to so many different types of people and you look at one one uh artist and you see it in one way and someone else comes up to it and sees it in a completely different way so i think that was really interesting and exciting to see um what was on display and how people felt you know from or what they saw in their different points of views. Um, there was magazine articles or magazine cutouts on display of, you know, when Martin Luther King Jr. got assassinated or JFK got assassinated. And just these influential people were on display um, through one artist's eyes. There was another artist that did some line sketching of a drawing of different people of different sites that they see there was an interesting art exhibit sculpture um and or let's say it was i don't i don't know how to describe it but i will show you a picture on my instagram and i've updated that so it is now travel with rika um, so that's my Instagram handle, but this, so we're switching to the United States. So we've got artists from all across the United States and there is a lady of justice laying sideways on a sun tanning bed. Enough said, right? What do you think that means? I still am puzzled by that, but I think it's very I mean, it's very interpretive. So when I look at it, it's, you know, it just for me, it means that, you know, we live in a society where we all have to live up to these certain standards as a woman and the justice system is against us no matter what we do. And you literally just have to lay down and suck it up <laughs> and sometimes you'll get burned um, by whatever path you choose but we're Americans right so everything everything has a double meaning or everything is up to its own interpretation so as we travel along this art exhibit the next thing I come upon is this organ so every time you press a button on the ATM, the organ plays a certain song or a certain note. And the funny thing is you can take out money from it as well. So it kind of makes you feel good about <laughs> taking out money um, because you're you're playing it's playing songs back to you or playing notes back to you. 
So next we hit up France, a France exhibition. This one, this one was kind of one of my favorites. Um, so it is this construction work of metal and it's like a printing press, a large, large printing press, but it shows you how many babies are born every day in France. And so it's got little shots, little Polaroid shots of, of these, of babies going through and it kind of just flutters through this like kind of sound, um, as you go through or as it's kind of running. So it's just a constant run through of all these babies being born in one day which is very interesting. So you can see how the population is growing um, through not just only France, but through the whole world. Then we reach Korea. Korea had these large displays of um, humans, I'd like to say. Um, and they were like those... Um, if you ever have taken an art class, they're like the, um, they're the life-size models of those little, um, wooden figures of a human person. So you can learn how to draw, you know, arms, legs, body, and head without putting any details into it. So it's like one of those large, um, larger than life kind of models, small type models, um, to draw from. But this display is one of the human type, um, one of the, I guess, human entities is holding down the other one and it's punching, about to punch them. And you can see the difference in the sculptures. So one of them's really glossy and shiny. That's the one that's holding their fist up and about to punch the one that's laying down on the ground, which is like kind of bolted together. It's got rusted edges. It's got um, more details in in its sculpture so it's more an unfinished product so the finished product is punching the unfinished product which is interesting in its own vice and then they've got another one that's similar in context so they've got the same life-size sculptures but it's um it's the oh gosh what is it like the mother mary holding her her son kind of so the mother is holding the mother is in white um, <clears throat> as an unfinished product, once again, looking down, holding her son in her arms, and the son is in red, um, uh, different colors, so you can see the juxtaposition and the different types of the, you can see the standout of the colors um, as this is being displayed. So she's sitting down while she's holding her son in her lap. So that was interesting. That one was <laughs> very interesting. So then I come upon these two creepy heads that are connected by one long strand of hair between them. And so when one talks, the other one talks and they're moving from side to side. One's blue, one's a normal, you know, colored texture of human color. And it's just 
oh, that one was creepy. I came upon that one and I was just like, oh, this one's interesting, um, but very creepy. Um, but there's multitudes of different types of um, arts and ways of displaying art in very artistic ways. And I was really, really intrigued by what was brought to the table, what was brought to La Biennale. Um, it was just so interesting to see how what people brought to the table like there was a seven deadly sins there was um these cool light fixtures there was a big trojan headpiece there were larger than life structures on this large large ground um in venice italy which you're like how did they fit all these art art pieces on the ground it's crazy but it's so interesting too as we go about it so that was one of the days that we got to spend in in venice and um you know to top it off at the end of the night um the hostel we were staying at of course because most of the city is in some way shape or form you you're gonna be near to near the water but this one was right on the water and at the end of the night, we, my group and I, we all sat on the edge of the pier, dipping our foot in the, in the water and just, you know, talking and, um, about our lives and what we wanted to do when we graduated from college and just to soak in the city lights and the nightlife of Venice, Italy. It was, it was just so amazing and I was so grateful to be able to be in Venice like every experience that I have um in each in each city that I visit or each country that I visit is memorable in its own way and I'm just always so grateful and appreciative of of those experiences the next day we went to the Peggy Guggenheim Museum which um, had a lot of famous painters in them, such as the Picasso paintings, Max Ernst, Salvador Dali, Jackson Pollock. Um, and so we got to go into that museum. Of course, I couldn't take any pictures because it was a museum. But um, if you don't know, uh, Venice has a huge history of their masquerade carnivals and just like a lot of different carnivals in different countries um, across the world, Venice has one too. Um, I think this is where I started collecting my masks. Um, and I bought this green mask. Uh, I really love green. And so I bought this green full face mask that only had the eyes open. And I had this big green flower or um intricate flowers coming across the face and so I'll show that on my Instagram as well but um oh it was so intricate and embellished and of course handmade in Italy so it's very I, I loved it from the moment I I saw it so I grabbed that and I took a lot of different pictures of different masks that were out there but that one was my favorite um you know, it's just so, oh, I have some links in the history of Venice. Let's see if these ones still work. Um, 
mask history. Okay, so the history of Venetian masks. Ooh, so the use of masks during the life of the Venetian Republic remains one of mankind's notably eccentric practices. Indeed, masks have been worn in cultures throughout the world for thousands of years, but perhaps never with such fervent pageantry as in Venice. For approximately 800 years, the Republic enjoyed a position of unrivaled, unrivaled superiority. Considered a breed apart from its European cousins, Venice was unquestionably the most extravagant, most beautiful state of the continent. So, let's see. Additionally, the mass served as an important social purpose of keeping every citizen on an equal playing field. Masks, a masked, a servant could be mistaken for a nobleman or vice versa. State inquisitors and spies could question citizens without fear of their true identity being discovered, and citizens could answer without fear of retribution. The morale of the people was maintained through the use of masks, for with no faces, everyone had voices. Oh, gosh, I love that. That's awesome. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, how how mass became such a such a huge part of their culture so it says like eventually the wearing of mask in daily life was banned and limited only to certain months of the year during the last year of the republic's existence this period extended for over three months from december 26 it was gradually shortened into the week-long festivities that now compromise carnavale everywhere known as mardi gras so like I said, every, you know, you've got your big Mardi Gras parties um, here in New Orleans in the States, and then this is where it kind of came from. So it's really great to get that tidbit of history from from Carnivale or from Venice. Um, so, uh, looks like we, if you ever get a chance to go to, to Venice, um, there are these different types of transportation because they don't have bikes or cars for transportation on this island because they don't need it everything's within walking distance um they've got these vaporettos uh called water buses and that's literally the um what the city and the water uses um fun fact well not fun fact sad fact it's been sinking for a while so you can definitely feel the difference between the times of high tide and low tide and who knows what what you know a couple of decades more we'll we'll see for venice but i do hope that it stays around for a very long time uh it's truly amazing to view and watch the city throughout the day and the changes throughout morning to night and without all the lights around and all the buildings at night it's it's um a true pleasure to see with your eyes so we took a night bus around the city and it was just so relaxing and um i got to spend the day my birthday in venice and you know woke up to you know happy birthdays called my parents um and just some of the people I met while in Venice uh, got to say happy birthday to me as well. So it was really exciting um, that 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 first instance of wanting to um, 
celebrate my birthday in a different country came from this. Um, getting to spend my 21st birthday in Venice was one for the books and you know we got to head to the beach today and relax and we bought this uh, limoncello liqueur uh, which is famous in Venice it's a very very strong liquor but straight lemon basically straight lemon and vodka I think um, <laughs> so it took a while for me and my buddies to finish it but uh, it was a great great day to relax and just experience the Mediterranean beach and the the sand and the ocean and just the life of Venice. So as I was, um, Venice is definitely one of my favorite cities to visit uh, or to be in and I do hope I get to explore a lot more. There's a lot more things that are in Venice um, when you visit um, that I would definitely hope you get to um, see while you're there. There's the St. Mark's Square, so that's where a lot of things um, definitely took place. A lot of things happened there. Uh, that's where I got my mask, and there's the St. Mark's Basilica. I don't think we actually got to, actually went in. I think it was still like, um, I think it was getting worked on or something. There's the Rialto Bridge, so this is the most famous bridge that crosses the Grand Canal. Um, this area, which originally housed the food market, has always been a canal crossing at first. And it's a simple bridge of boats, and later was a real br wooden bridge made from two inclined ramps, ramps with a mobile section in the middle. The current Rialto Bridge is a stone arch which was constructed under the supervision of Antonio de Ponte. Um, and I feel like this was the crying bridge as well. Someone said that was, but... Oh, no, it's called the Bridge of Size. Sorry. So we actually got to see that too. Um, if you... This is kind of the name... They say the name is an invention of a romantic literature. So it's called the Bridge of Sighs. Um, legend says that from this bridge, one could hear the sighs of the condemned as they were being led to prison. It's it's suspenseful, it's, but I loved Venice and being able to travel by boat throughout the whole city was really a truly one-of-a-kind experience. So using the gondolas and or the, um, the water taxis, the water buses uh, was the one way you could get across the city if you needed to go from, you know, one little island to the next. Truly, Venice was one for the books. It was one of my favorite cities and one of my favorite experiences as well. I got to experience a birthday there, so that will always be a memory. And I've got, I got to experience these different art cultures and art experiences from all around the world in one space, in one place, and learn about the history and the city on the water. I hope you as well get a chance to experience Venice and its culture, and if you have, I would love to hear about it as well. So 
hit me up on my email at catchflightspod at gmail.com and tell me your experiences in Venice, Italy and or any other experiences you've had. If you'd like to be featured on this podcast or interviewed on this podcast, please reach out to me there as well. I would love to have other travelers, travel bloggers, travel experiences, travel influencers be a part of this and tell your story and share your story of different cities and how you experience them. That's that's what this is all about. Uh, my experiences in different cities and what I see and through my eyes. If you haven't, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and comment if you would like, if you like this, um, and also follow on Spotify if if you have Spotify app. Uh, I would love it and greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Catch Flights, Not Feelings with your host, Rika. Hey, hey, welcome to the segment Delayed Flights with Rika. So today I want to talk to you about getting what's the appropriate amount of time to get to the airport before your flight. I've had a few people ask me this question, like when, like how far in advance do I get to the airport Um, and or, you know, the whole process of getting to the airport through security and getting to my gate. So I'm going to answer it here. Me personally, I travel light. So I usually have a carry on and a personal item. That's it. Don't need to check any bags. Even if I'm staying for a week, I put, I have everything in a carry on. I make it fit in uh, the roll up method preferably. I like the roll-up method, um, and I kind of plan my outfits accordingly. So, I travel as light as possible, get in, get out kind of thing, quick and efficient. I also have a global entry, so I can go through the TSA pre-check line fairly quickly and not stand in just the general pop line to get through security. Don't have to take off my shoes, don't have to remove my uh, the three and the whatever the TSA bag for all your liquids um, and so I am pretty efficient when I travel so I usually don't don't judge me here um, I usually get to the airport around like an hour before my flight generally I know they say two hours and if you're flying internationally it's three hours well that's not the case with me. Even when I fly internationally, uh, I'm usually doing a connection flight, so I'm already in the airport. So at that point, it's really just finding my gate and waiting. But I also have uh, lounge passes and priority pass and or my American Platinum. So I'm able to go to certain lounges and chill for a bit instead of sitting by the gate so I can go up to these lounges get some food real quick get a drink um and kind of relax before my flight starts boarding 
and I do recommend uh, having notifications set for your, on your phone when those things start happening so you know, so you can start heading down and making your way to your gate. But anyways, um, that's another discussion. Uh, but I usually get to the airport around an hour before so I can get a drink um, and then be ready for the flight. I don't like to sit in one space for too long. So especially when you're about to get on a plane and sit for a set amount of time, I think it's counterproductive. So why, why sit there longer than you have to? especially when it's mostly me just traveling. Um, I don't have much to deal with. Uh, go to the bathroom before I get on the flight and, you know, hop on and scan my, or scan my boarding pass, hop on, find, find my seat and get situated. So that's how I go about the process of flying usually. And then internationally, I usually try and get there around two hours if I'm flying direct. Uh, mind you, my main airport hub is Denver International, and it's very rare that I find a direct flight from Denver to anywhere out of this country. So most of the time it's flying from Denver to LA or Denver to Chicago, um, and then Chicago or LA on to the next, to the actual international flight. So that's kind of where that comes into play. However, now that I have lounge access um, in this past year, over this past couple of years, I've utilized it. I do try and get to the airport a couple of hours ahead of time so I can utilize the lounge access and, you know, get that free food, get those free drinks before I board my flight. So I'm more relaxed, more calm, and yeah, that's kind of where my uh, process of, of traveling comes from. So it's more of a laid back, but also at the same time, a little, I love the thrill of kind of almost barely making your flight or you're just making it to the gate as they start boarding. Um, that really is a thrill for me at sometimes as well. So that that is my segment for delayed flights today thank you for listening to catch white's not feeling with your host